0: sense value of education to understand. so how about trying to teach skill, skill sports to your kids? What do I mean about skill sports? I'm talking about golf, basketball, baseball, skill sports. I can remember trying to teach my oldest son, who's a great golfer right now, golf when he was four years old. It was not fun. Um, teaching him the grip, bring it back, keep your left arm straight, look down at the ball, follow through. I got it, Dad, I got it. He swung and missed three times. as he threw the club away in disgust and said, no more. My son, younger son, is a basketball player. I played some basketball but trying to teach him how to shoot. Ball in front of your head, follow through, right foot, left foot. The fact of the matter is, he was never a great shooter, but he was a great rebounder. He was an ex-football player, lacrosse player. He could rebound, but he couldn't shoot very well. And I tried hard with baseball. Baseball was my sport. My sons both played, but neither one of them were very good, because they wouldn't listen when I told them how to hit. <laughs> Bat, follow through, keep your eye on the ball. Got it, Dad, got it. Got it. Can we admit that there are just some tasks, some skills, etc., that need supervision? that needs someone over us to teach, guide, and direct us in the right way to get things done. The question on the table today, is evangelism one of them? I say yes. Let's go back to the disciples and then their relationship with Christ, a perfect supervisor. Jesus was perfect in every way, so he was a perfect supervisor, was he not? The one who called, taught, and led us all with a perfect love. Yet he called his disciples to prepare them to exercise his plan to save the world. That's a little more important than teaching your son how to hit or how to hold a golf club. Let's take a closer look at the disciples and how Christ supervised them with a view toward training them and turning them loose with his gospel to save the world. Christ appointed 12 that they might be with him, they might send them out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons. That's why he appointed the 12. Did you know that? It's right in Scripture. Mark 3, 13 through 15. But the question on the table is, how did Christ supervise? Christ was a perfect supervisor. And we know that all good supervisors minimize time in the classroom and maximize time and practical exercises. Who, looking back on their high school days or college days, didn't like scrimmages and practice games or matches more than they'd like drills. Um, Christ sent out the 12. The first time he sent them out, he sent them out. March 6, 7 through 13 records that. He summoned the 12 and began to send them out in pairs. Now, Richard Dick told us a little bit about why he sent them out in pairs, but they're mutually reinforcing. Um, encouraging. He instructed them further to take nothing for their journey, no bread, no bag, no money. And he added, do not put on two tunics. I mean, he wanted them to go out with a minimum amount of stuff because the focus was preaching Christ. The focus was casting out demons. He further said, wherever you enter a house, stay there till you leave town. And in any place that does not receive you or listen to you as you go out from there. Shake off the dust of your soles, of your feet, for a testimony against them. That's pretty strong words. But it didn't detract from the fact that he was sending them out to save the world. The first time they went out, they reported back. There was a lot going on in Jesus' life. John had been beheaded. Jesus was wanting to hear their report and they reported back and I we don't have record of it in scripture, but the fact of the matter is Jesus heard their report and they didn't hear what Jesus was saying is a critique. Their hearts were hardened. So how could that be? Well Jesus had three years to supervise the disciples <laughs> three years for them to be with him, three years for them to send to be sent out, and to do what Christ wanted him to do. And the fact of the matter was, he did send them out. He sent them out again. Luke 10, if you want to follow me, 1 through 24, it seems the Lord was more intentional the closer he was to his Jerusalem. He instructed them much the same, with a few new twists. For example, he sent out 70. He did send out the disciples two by two ahead of him to every city and place where he was going to come. He was preparing to save the world. He said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers unto this harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you in the midst of wolves. He didn't say that before, but he was getting closer to his suffering and death, and there was a little bit of a sense of urgency. I would imagine a sense of urgency in his voice. In whatever house you enter, say first, peace be this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, do you? And stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you. For the laborer is worthy of of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. In whatever city you enter, and they received you, eat what is set before you, and heal those in it who are sick, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. He's much more specific. He's much more specific. But again, I think there was a sense of urgency in his voice as, a, as their supervisor. But whatever city you enter and they not, do not receive you, go out in the streets and say, even the dust of your city, which clings to our feet, we wipe and protest you, yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. He was getting closer to his death, and he was much more specific and much more intentional and urgent as their supervisor. I say that you would be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Christ Corazon, and woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it would be more tire for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you, and you, Capernaum, Will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will be brought down to Hades. The one who listens to you listens to me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects the one who sent me. As a supervisor, he knew what he wanted to tell them, and he wanted to make sure that when they went out, they were preaching repentance of the Lord. And here's the key. And the 70 returned with joy. Don't get that earlier. And I said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He was pleased with what they did. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon the serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded and have to the essentials, that they were blessed because they were followers of him. And at that very time, you rejoice greatly in the Holy Spirit. This is Christ talking now. I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and the intelligent and didst reveal them to babes. Yes, Father, for thus it was well-pleasing in thy sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And disciples, he said privately just to them, Blessed are the eyes which have seen the things you see, for I say to you that many prophets and kings wish to see the things which you see and did not see them, and to hear the things which you hear, and did not hear them. Christ the Supervisor was thrilled, and said so, but with some cautions and some provisions. So let's recap. So in his master plan of evangelism, Christ the perfect Supervisor chose twelve, that they might be with him, preach, and have authority over demons we have seen how he supervised in two examples of practical exercises where he sent out his chosen twelve, two by two, to put into practice what he had taught. What we didn't see was how the disciples later on received the Holy Spirit and how they relied on him after Pentecost. Jesus reacted positively to his disciples' actions when he sent them out the second time. Maybe it was a third, maybe it was a fourth, I don't know. But have you ever reported back to your supervisor or been on the bench after the coach calls you back out of the game and he says, Well done? What did that do to your spirit? What did that do to the, made, the way it made you feel? They rejoice greatly in the Holy Spirit. But Jesus also warned his disciples not to rejoice in the fact that the spirits were subject to his disciples, but that their names were recorded in heaven. What a reassurance for those being discipled and sent out and supervised. So in his matter So what about us? The question comes. Can we do evangelism on our own? My sense is not, but maybe it's yes and maybe it's no. no. My sense is no because believers, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit inside us as our supervisor. You ever thought of the Holy Spirit as your supervisor? And the Holy Spirit cannot help but share the gospel. That's why he's taken up residence in us, that we would proclaim Christ to others who don't know him. The Holy Spirit will work in us to share Christ. He cannot not do that. So if you feel a tug, if you feel an urge to tell somebody about Christ, it's the Holy Spirit living in you that's doing that. And so that's why I say, no, you don't need supervision to do that. You can do it not on your own, but on the fact that the Holy Spirit is living in you and guiding and directing your path. But on the other hand, I say yes, because much like admitting you need to have a teacher who is more like a supervisor to learn better as a student or to be a better golfer, a better basketball player, a baseball player, It's best to admit you need a coach and then yield to him and be teachable. So you remember all the way back to last week? Richard Dick suggested several evangelistic tools. He put them on the latter part of his slide preview, the slides that he used. But here are the five things that he suggested that we need as tools. And I would say that with due respect, all of them require a supervisor, that you are not equipped in any of them to be what Christ would have you be as a proclaimer of his truth in the world. Let's take a couple examples. Your testimony. How many know what their testimony is and can offer it in a three-minute fashion to anybody who walks into your presence, you're on the elevator going up to the eighth floor where you work and whatnot, are you ready to proclaim Christ or at least what Christ has done in your life? We were talking at the table last week and Rich Allison said he needed somebody to help him put that together. I can remember going to a class on evangelism and having the teacher spend most of his time telling me that I need to write out my testimony. And I needed to have it. I still have it in my Bible. But your testimony is something that maybe you need some help on in terms of proclaiming Christ. And what about having the four spiritual laws. Richard Dick said we needed his tracks and whatnot. How many are aware of the four spiritual laws? How many can present the four spiritual laws to somebody who's not a believer in Christ and have confidence that it's good, that you got through the main points that you understand? Again, in a different class, it was just on presenting the four spiritual laws. Is it important? Yes. Do we need a supervisor to make sure that we get it right? I think yes, (laughs) we do. So testimony and proclaiming the four spiritual laws are two things. Discussion. Do you like being supervised? Be honest. How difficult is it to be a good supervisor? Sometimes we're cast in that role and we don't want to be. Like trying to teach my sons how to play skilled sports. Discuss a bit on how intentional Jesus was in the supervision of his disciples. He called them that they might be with him, preach the gospel, and cast out demons. And he spent three years doing that. And he sent them out two by two numerous times to see whether or not they got it right. Before the disciples received the Holy Spirit, how successful was Christ? Has evangelism been a priority in your walk with Christ? Is it somebody else's job to proclaim Christ in the way you walk your faith? Has anybody helped write your testimony, walked you through the four spiritual laws, or introduced you to a good text and evangelism? So supervision. So let's pray. So Father, we thank you that you supervise us, that you call us to follow you, that you call us to proclaim your word to the world. And Father, we can know, we can depend on the Holy Spirit who resides in those who believe in his Son, and we know, Lord, that your Holy Spirit won't allow us to keep our faith to ourselves, that we must share it with others. But we also know, Lord, that we need your supervision, we need your direction, we need your words and how to better proclaim your word to others. So, Father, I pray that you watch over us, guide us, direct us, and protect us. Be our supervisor in Jesus' name. Amen.